The Superpowers of the Soul Channel is brought to you by Superpower Experts. Visit superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers today. You're listening to Spiritual Ecstasy with Dr. Gabriel Cousins. Welcome you with love to my program, Spiritual Ecstasy, and the Superpowers of the Soul Channel. My name is uh, Dr. Gabriel Cousins. I'm a holistic physician, a trained family therapist, psychiatrist, Native American sun dancer. I'm often referred to as physician of the soul and also a uh, leading researcher on how to cure diabetes naturally. I also speak as a father and a grandfather of three. So I'm coming from a very uh, well-rounded approach to our topic. And what is our topic today? The yama and niyamas of relationship. Now, that's Sanskrit for the do's and don'ts of relationship. But it's a catchy title, so that's why I like I like it. Okay. So what is the do, what are the do's and don'ts of relationship? Well, in the yamas, which are the do part, one is ahimsa. Do no harm. And that is one of the most important things. Because if you are to have uh, uh, intimacy in a relationship, there needs to be vulnerability. You have to open yourself to the other person. You have to become real with them. And that process of vulnerability means you can be harmed. One of the things that is extremely important in relationships is safety. If we expect the other to hurt us in some way, the trust goes down in relationship and it's hard to be uh, progressive beyond a certain level of interpersonal intimacy. Yes, intimacy takes courage, but there's a little bit more to that. It really takes safety. And that's the, the point I want to make at Ahimsa. We need to know that we are not going to be deliberately harmed by our partner. It's like a fundamental baseline. And in relationships where people feel safe, the relationship has the opportunity to blossom. Because when you're safe, you can open up your wings and fly and dance. We're going to take a short break in just a moment. I just want to remind you that you're 
listening to spiritual ecstasy and the superpower of the soul channels. My name is Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and we are talking about the yama and niyama, the do's and don'ts of relationships. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. If you're ready to transform yourself and transform the world through podcasting, we invite you to join us. We co-create a non-competitive, collaborative environment designed to support you as you step into your greatness. Go now to superpowerexperts.com and click on the Programs tab to get started today. Okay, welcome back to uh, my program, Spiritual Ecstasy and the Super Powers of the Soul channel. And this is Dr. Gabriel Cousins, and we're talking about the yama and niyama of relationship. And we were talking about ahimsa, do no harm. Possibly the most important thing in relationship is for your partner to feel safe with you. We're talking long term. And that safety needs to build over time. That trust needs to be built over time. Many people come from unsafe spaces in their families of origin. And so trust is not meant, uh, just a, a natural thing for a lot of people. But when you're committed to create safety in the relationship, I'm going to call it the number one rule. We, we, of course, love is important, but it's hard to love if you don't feel safe. You can have a passionate attraction. That's not about safety. So the number one yama or do in relationship is to create a safe space for each other to blossom, to be their full expression of who they are. It's very difficult in the world to find a space to be the full, authentic expression of who you are. And in relationship, we have the unique opportunity to create that safe space for the other to blossom. So this is an extremely important principle. Another principle, we did ahimsa, and the next one is satya, truthfulness. And that again comes back to the word trust. For a healthy relationship, we have to fully trust the other person and also the dynamics of the relationship, the intent of the other person. So we have honesty in relationship, but also trusting the truthfulness of the relationship as a, as a, a total entity. But it first starts with knowing the other person is going to tell you the truth. In our world today, again, truth seems to be uh, a very difficult thing to have happen. 
but relationships which are part of the evolution of humanity, that the front, the, the oldest and newest frontier, truthfulness lays a foundation for trust. When you know that your partner's always going to, always going to be speaking the truth to you, then it creates a certain safety. Now, there are ways to speak the truth in a way that is hurting people, in a way that's banging them over the head. That's not exactly truth. That's being blunt, but it's it's not exactly ahimsa. Uh, not doing any harm. So there's a balance. You want to speak the truth, but you it's also very important to speak the truth in a way that the other person can hear it and they don't feel insulted, hurt, or put down with it. And we have that option. When we speak the truth, it's like whack over the head. No, maybe that doesn't work so well because the person begins to step back. They don't feel safe with you. So part of satya is learning how to speak the truth in a way that the other person can feel nurtured by that truth, where the other person can be uplifted by that truth. And so it takes a little sophistication. We actually have to think about the feelings of the other person. You can't just blurt out a, a truth. Well, I'm telling the truth, but you're not really working towards ahimsa, do no harm. So you can say the same message in a way that's uplifting or in a way that can be hurtful. So we don't want to uh, pretend, oh, I'm just telling the truth, when in fact you're, you're using it as a weapon to hurt the other person. So safety becomes a very, really uh, an important part of the uh, of the principle. It's like, wow, you need to be safe and you need to tell the truth. It's not a paradox. It takes some thoughtfulness. But with the right intention, we can create the do no harm and also being telling the truth at the same time. And so when you tell the truth in that way, you are building safety. You are building trust. And you're building love. Because you need for love, you need safety, and you need trust. And you need truth. So the next is asetya, non-stealing. And again, in relationships, we're, we're talking metaphorically, but we are talking about one person is giving their love, they're giving their attention, they're repairing certain things, they're giving their energy, they're giving their gifts. And asetya means that you're able to receive the gifts, but you're not uh, avoiding positive feedback. There needs to be an exchange. The stealing is when you create the illusion that you're helping when you aren't. The stealing is, is when you are uh, offering the illusion of love when you aren't. The stealing is when you're not really being honest. 
So relationships need the honesty, truthfulness, but the non-stealing so that you're not uh, stealing the person's emotions, stealing the person's love by acting a certain way where you don't actually feel it. And that's the authenticity. So we give in relationships, but we're not supposed to exploit each other in relationships. That's the stealing part. Giving is good. Giving, exchange, balancing the exchange of energies. That's not stealing. That's giving. And it's creating balance of energies in relationship. Stealing is when one person is really, in a sense, taking the affection, taking the energy, taking the attention, and not really creating the other the space for the other to really exist. You're also stealing their individuality. One thing that's subtle in relationship but important is you don't want to be taking their individuality away. You don't want to be stealing their uniqueness. In some relationships, which are not, uh, let's say, balanced, you have one person dominating the other person and they're basically stealing their life force and they're stealing their authenticity. And we get what we talk about as an undifferentiated relationship where they're, in a sense, the one person in the relationship becomes, in a sense, the expression of the other person's needs. But there isn't an, an exchange. So that's the level of energetic stealing and also personality stealing. The other person is focused on getting their affection from you by basically meeting your needs. So you're stealing your affection because there isn't an authenticity with that process. So stealing again, like all these, is subtle. When you're being authentic, when you're uh, giving and exchanging, that's good. When you're telling the truth, uh, you're not creating a stealing situation where you're creating an illusion to that person of, uh, of how you want them to see you rather than who you are. So in a, in a sense that the stealing is, is really creating an illusion in a way that they, they think you're somebody else. So you're basically stealing their mind. You're not just stealing their energy and their time. You're stealing their mind because you've created an illusion that they begin to believe in that that's you. So it's a stealing of their mind. It's a stealing of their consciousness in that way. So that becomes obviously very important. The next uh, yama is called brahmacharya. Chastity. Um, chastity in a married relationship doesn't mean you don't have sex. It actually means that that a very important interchange is one 
that's unique. Most relationships that work tend to be monogamous. I've um, seen as a person guiding people doing family therapy and couple work back into the 60s, 2040, you know, a long time ago here, that the polyamorous relationships in general, not always, but in general, don't work because people actually do get jealous. People, it's very hard to be intimate with more than a few people at the level we're talking about. So brahmacharya is kind of holding the specialness in that relationship. You know, the sexual uh, specialness in that relationship to that relationship. And uh, I've seen relationships based on one person having an affair never repair themselves. They can get better, they can function, but when you have an affair, what happens is you're you're doing you're doing harm, ahimsa. You create untruthfulness because you've deceived the other person. Asetya, you're stealing the other person's mind because they're thinking their relationship is a monogamous relationship with you. And so, the brahmacharya becomes like, a, a, in a sense. A certain, uh, in, in this case, particularly sexual purity in the relationship that 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 people can have relationships with all kinds of people in all kinds of different ways, and I'm not saying that I'm not saying you own the other person. We're talking specifically about the sexual energy uh, uh, that belongs in that relationship. So what I've seen work is people can have friends. Um, you know, male, female friends and can be really close, but there's a boundary. And that's where the word brahmacharya is. And that boundary is around sexuality. And when people cross that boundary, it often creates non-repairable damage. You can, re you know, when I say non-repairable, I mean, you can repair a lot, but there's still that memory where you where the trust was broken and, uh, and you were harmed. In, in a sense, you, your whole understanding that person was a stealing the mind. So it, it seems old fashioned, but what I've observed is holding on to that energy, that brahmacharya, can be very, very important in relationships. So people say, well, I can be polyamorous, it's okay, we all trust each other, we all love each other. And <clears throat> I haven't actually seen a relationship where triangles work out over a long time. It can happen, but I haven't really seen it in 48 eight years or so of couple and family work. It usually breaks down after a year or two, if not much sooner. Okay. And that's because of Abhigraha. And that's the, the, the fifth 
um, yana, what abhigraha? Greedlessness, to be greedy. And where does that, how does that translate in relationship? Jealousy, okay? And also boundaries. There needs to be a boundary of time, space, and energy for uh, individual time, couple time, and family time. So parents need to really work on this too. Um, and it's creating space where everyone can flourish. Now, it also means some of us have relationships, friendships, not relationships, friendships with people of the opposite sex that are very important to come out of work or come out of just friendships. And jealousy can really curtail a person's ability uh, to really develop friendships uh, nurturing. It's a little bit a message that, you know, just a monogamous relationship, and you know, in terms of every level of that, creates a pretty big limitation. And there are some people who uh, say, well, look, I just, I need it. I'm a jealous person. You know, you can't, you know, if you talk to a woman, you can't really keep your friendships up with men. And the woman may say, well, I'm a little jealous. You can't really keep up your uh, long-term friendships with women that you've had over the years because, and you can do that, but it creates a contraction and creates a loss and creates a little bit of lack of safety and lack of trust. Because it's also natural to have friendships. And depending what society you're in, when we see lack of friendships or, or points of friendships, men and women interacting in, in positive, healthy ways, uh, in friendship ways. Because there's gifts men and women give each other. But the same thing, so the apigraha would be the greediness. I want, I totally want this person, that's it. I want everything about them. And I, I don't want anyone else to have any of that. I want it all. Well, that's like being a, 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 a bird in a golden gilded cage. It ultimately is not going to be healthy. Well, even at the beginning, it's not healthy. But if people agree to it because, because of codependency, you know, because they're getting something from that, but they're also not getting freedom. And one of the purposes of relationship is freedom. Now, we're talking about the niyamas now, which are the don'ts. And one of them is sutta. Purity. Uh, and that's having to do of committing to live in a way that's always creating radiance and sacredness in the relationship. Now, all these things overlap, but it is committing in a way that it, it's to elevate the, the, the radiance of the relationship, to I always interact in a way that, that honors the, the sanctity of the relationship and, uh, and increases the light of the relationship. 
And they're little things. They don't, they don't have to be big things. It's just the daily little attention to the details of the relationship that allows it to be uplifting. It's just the little nuances that bring light to the relationship and, and, and make it kind of sacred. Sacredness in every moment of the relationship. Now, the next name is Santosha, which means contentment. And as we uh, develop spiritually, we begin to move more and more to what I would describe as non-causal contentment. Without a cause without depending on the other person. So it comes from experiencing the light within yourself, experiencing the love, the joy. It comes just from the, the beingness of who you are. And then the role of the other person is to uh, amplify that non-causal love, non-causal peace, non-causal contentment, uh, non-causal oneness, that's actually our natural state. So as we evolve spiritually, this kind of unique but fundamental to every single person, non-causal beingness begins to evolve. And part of relationship is supporting that non-causal, which is, which is a level of independence. And that we support it, but and we add to it. The love is there. We inherently have love in us. And the relationship can enhance the experience of that love. We are inherently peaceful. Of course, it helps to meditate and do things that bring peace. It's a slightly different topic, but we are inherently peaceful. Okay. But this adds to peace when the relationship is constantly bringing peace in every moment. So Santosha then creates contentment. You're content within yourself. The longevity research is something interesting. One's longevity and health and happiness, but longevity is the way they took, depends on the life enjoyment, okay, the santosha of the other person, that your longevity is, uh, is very affected by the life contentment of the other person. Now, that's really interesting. So that's newer research that's come out, uh, you know, because this kind of research takes years. You have to study, you have to, you know, people have to be together with tears. But think about that for a second. So you're happy within yourself, but if the your mate is happy and content with their life and pleased with their life, that brings longevity to you. That is really fascinating. So that's some of the research, but that fits right what we're talking about. Santosha, 
contentment. Okay, now, and that brings us to, in essence, allowing ourselves to be lived by love and liberation. Now, the next of the niyamas is tapas. Tapas is austerity. And what we're talking about is that it's a work, relationships work. And that's part of the evolution. I often mention, you know, it takes a year or two before the honeymoon kind of ends and you're ending, you enter the hard work phase where the issues of the family of origin, the issues of your past lives, the issues of your own personalities begin to come up and can require a lot of work to resolve. But in that work to resolve, you, you, you get to go spiritually. So tapas, hard work, is part of any successful relationship. People have to do make an effort. And it's kind of a, an illusion to think that doesn't happen. Oh, they're just naturally happy. Well, some people are more naturally happy than others. That's true. But generally, what I observe when I work with couples and families, people who are happy are also putting that energy in to make it happen. And that's what I mean by, by tapas. You're, you're willing to do the hard work uh, in the relationship as, in essence, a, a path of, of liberation. And that's kind of what we want to kind of look at. And then along with that is called swadaya, self-study, self-inquiry. Begin to understand yourself in the mirror of the relationship. And actually, the relationship is a mirror to get you start thinking about yourself because the relationship naturally reflects back issues that you have to work on. That's just inherent in a healthy relationship that you're open to change, you're open to looking at yourself and dealing with the issues that come up in your life that are there for you. And so that is the uh, self-study, Swadaya, where you're studying yourself and you're studying the relationship and actually you're studying the other person. And the whole idea is to help each other evolve spiritually. But the self-study is you're in the relationship also for the avenue of how much growth you're going to get from that relationship. Now, if you're just in a relationship for that, it, it, it lacks a few things like love and compassion and oneness and trust. So all those things are included. But I'm adding this other factor where you actually are studying yourself in the relationship and getting feedback from the other person in the relationship. So those are, uh, you know, a, a key component of a healthy and growing relationship, growing relationship. And the last niyama is called Ishvara Pranidhana. It's basically devotion to the divine. So when I marry people, I point out 
Uh, yeah, relationships are marriages for having children and building, you know, a foundation and, and many, many good things. But it's also a spiritual path. And maybe it's one of the hardest spiritual paths for people. Some people feel that is, okay? Because you not only have to kind of work in yourself, but you're working with another person. And you have to redefine everything in terms of how does this help us grow spiritually? How do we bring God into our lives? So there's really three energies, <clears throat> your energy, your partner's energy, and God. And you ask the question, how is it in everything we do, we bring sacredness in it, we bring holiness in it, that our house is a holy temple. And within it, everybody is uplifted with the light of God. And that's one of the most important things in relationship. And that, uh, in terms of a, a take-home challenge, take-home task for people is to examine your relationship in your home in a way uh, that you examine it for how, are my, how am I bringing the divine into my home, into my relationship, into my life, into my couple relationship, into my family relationships. How am I doing that? So that's a, a, a challenge or a sense of task. It's like, let's examine that. And then the second part of that is how indeed can we enhance the presence of God in our, in our relationship and in our family in a way that everyone feels enhanced by the presence of the divine in our lives. So we've kind of looked in several, we've looked at a bunch of angles. We looked at the yamas, we looked at do, don't do any harm, be truthful, don't steal emotionally from the other person, kind of a chastity in relationship, uh, lack of jealousy so people can continue uh, other fruitful uh, relationships uh, that don't obviously have a sexual over, you know, component. The niyamas, uh, purity, santosha, contentment, uh, austerity or tapas, hard work in relationships, swadaya, your self-study, and ultimately bringing God into the relationship and relationship as a spiritual path. So we've taken a full look at it from a whole different angle. And we end with, yes, Relationships can be a spiritual path if you choose to have that angle with that. So you can find more about this at uh, drcousins.com or treeoflife.mn.co where I have all kinds of programs on a weekly basis for people all over the world as well as uh, people having individual consultations for couples and families or individual uh, whole person health evaluations. 
like a full holistic approach, you know, individual, couple, and family dynamics. So we're there. So peace be with you. Thank you for listening to the Superpower Network. Go now to superpowerexperts.com to unlock your superpowers and change your life today.